Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast, uh, the program where you're talking about getting kids involved in STEM and building back their confidence with Jennifer Flanagan, CEO of Actua. Also, workplace expert Dr. Tommy Mitchell discusses and addresses ageism, grayism, and sexism in the workplace. Plus, we talk a lot about diet on the show, but what about those ultra-processed foods? Just how bad are they for you and your kids? And how happy are you? How happy should you be? Talking happiness tonight, too. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show Podcast. A recent actuate-led survey found that over half of youth in Canada aged 18 to 20 and almost a third of youth aged 12 to 17 are now less interested in school due to the pandemic, and approximately a quarter of all youth are not confident that they will achieve their career goals when finished school. This is so sad, but I'm delighted to have on the line the CEO of Actua, who is going here to talk about their Build Back Confidence campaign to raise awareness of the impacts of the pandemic on youth mental health, well-being, and the power of STEM education in rebuilding a young person's confidence in themselves and the world around them. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining me. School is upon us, the new school year. This is a stressful time, not only for parents, but for students as well, or would-be students, Um, kids who are having issues in school and that the pandemic only Mm. increased. So tell me a little bit about this actual-led survey. Mm -hmm. So we've always known that, you know, confidence and self-efficacy are are directly linked to a young person's mental health and well-being and can be just as important, if not more so, than a young person's technical skills when it comes to their ability to thrive in the future. So, you know, we're so focused on, preparing them with the right skills and, and um, you know, experiences for them to, to be prepared for that workforce. And, and that is really important. But what we know is that that self-confidence is just, just as important and has taken a major uh, hit during pandemic-related challenges that they face. So school closures and social isolation and family stress and, you know, the trauma for many kids of, of losing people that they um, have loved. So that's led to increased mental health. We've, we've all heard about that. It's a very uh, real thing for, for us and for, for youth. We are hearing a collective concern among parents that we work with at Actual across the country and educators certainly um, over the past two years that young, young people have not only experienced a significant learning loss, so their, their achievement levels and progression levels in, in things like reading and math and, and other subject areas has been very much but they've also experienced a significant decrease in confidence and motivation and that's you know, learners um, motivation to learn because they've been you know in school and out of school and not had those extra extras that kind of make their school experience um, you know better and then, you know, what we're most concerned of is that they just, they have lost that love of learning. So we, we need people, generally, kids, kids have it naturally. They are curious, they are creative, they want to know how things work, they want to, you know, they want to explore and, and, and understand. And we want to keep that alive as, as long as we can, because we know that as they get older, 
And as the changing world of work, and we all are experiencing this now with technology, right? There's new skills needed and people need to continue to continuously learn. That love of learning is critical and has been majorly impacted through the pandemic. So decreased confidence, decreased motivation, and that, that hit to the, to the love of learning. And you mentioned the stats, right? So kids are, that results in kids feeling uh, less confident about themselves going back to school and, and certainly a little bit confused about what, what's in store for them in the future. Um, and, you know, we know that they, they need to start imagining those things so that they can, you know, have the motivation to, to actually pursue them. So tell me about STEM education. Mm-hmm. So the Build Back Confidence campaign that actually was launched really um, recognizes we're a STEM outreach organization, and that, that's what we do. But we recognize how effective STEM education is in rebuilding confidence, that lost confidence and that lost um, motivation. So it's, you know, the, the, the very nature of STEM is experimenting and trying things out and, you know, um, getting to explore using science and math and technology, um, failing and learning from that and feeling good about themselves. Um, and so they're, they're getting the kinds of, of confidence building um, experiences that, that we know are, are critical. That's what we've always done as an organization. And at this particular juncture in time, it's an excellent way for us to start rebuilding, um, rebuilding that confidence in those skills. So we're talking about this with, with parents and with educators. Um, it, it also is a way to get kids reimagining um, themselves as the, the builders and inventors and problem solvers of tomorrow. You know, STEM, it has the power to address some of the world's largest challenges and things that kids really do care about. So they care about climate change and they care about, mm-hmm. you know, some of the health concerns that they're seeing. Um, they care about the impact that decisions are, are having in their communities. So talking to them about STEM and how STEM can, can help to, to, to solve those problems is um, a really effective way at getting them reengaged. And I thought it was interesting in your survey that 70% of Canadian youth believe the COVID-19 pandemic has made science and technology more important to the world. And, and I think yeah. that's true because it really raised awareness about the importance of, of science mm-hmm. and vaccine development and uh, public health as well and public health yeah. messaging. Um, you know, there are right. so many aspects. And I also think mental health became, uh, was put more to the forefront. There's always been a stigma right. associated with mental health. Mm-hmm. And I, although I do think to think that that continues to exist, sadly enough. Um, I do think it brought people, uh, you know, uh, into the light from the darkness that it wasn't just, you know, so-and-so that suffered in silence, but a lot of people came forth uh, with their mm-hmm. stories. And I do think that the youth have an empathy uh, and, and an mm-hmm. understanding and, you know, and the, the world is changing in that regard and they, they have such an inclusivity and, you know, diversity and their accepting of, of people more so than previous generations that I think a lot of great work can be done um, through your program. Um, and so how will Actua increase the focus on building back the confidence of youth mm-hmm. over the next um, time period? It, it's exactly the two points that you just made are exactly the, the core of this. One is to, to share how much potential science has at um, to, to um, you know, to do great things uh, for the world. And I think it's a positive story come out of, coming out of COVID is how much of a spotlight is on, on science and technology. 
Um, and the mental health piece, too, it's recognizing in our program. So we deliver hands-on science and technology programs across the country. We will have to provide mental health support as part of those programs for the foreseeable future because that is where kids are right now. That's the, that's the, the, the reality that they're finding themselves in. So we plan to do more of the, the, those positive hands-on uh, uh, programs where kids can explore and build confidence in a very safe space, right? They can feel safe to kind of try things out and learn and experiment. Um, but we also are very aware that they're coming at this with, you know, some pretty heavy uh, experiences and maybe some, you know, sadness and, and confusion over the past couple of years. So, you know, training our people and um, how to deal with that. And, you know, we, we our instructors are undergraduate students who themselves are dealing with these uh, these same challenges. So it's really, you know, training them and making them aware and, and, um, and also kind of taking a different angle on mental health, which is how can science help mental health? There's some incredible technologies around artificial intelligence, for example, that are being used to treat mental health, to diagnose it, mm-hmm. to, to help to support it. It's, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. It's fascinating. Um, and it's, again, a way to remove the stigma, but also show kids how much uh, opportunity and power there is in in science and technology, and we're starting to it for themselves. And and I just want to give a little plug to Actua, which is Canada's largest science, technology, engineering, and mathematics STEM youth outreach organization, representing over. 40 university and college-based members. And each year, Actua's mm-hmm. growing network of member organizations engages over 350,000 young Canadians in 500 communities nationwide in transformative STEM learning experiences that build critical skills and confidence. Such important work that you do. Jennifer, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the program to tell us about the fine work of Actua's Build Back Confidence program. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, there's so many great resources on our website for any parents that are listening, for people who have kids in their lives that they want to to share these resources with. So it's actua.ca, and there's a whole bunch of free resources that can be found there. Thank you so much. I'm sure we will be checking in with you over the yes. year to find out about yes. uh, the latest programs and the progress of the Build Back Confidence yes. campaign. And that's hashtag is the hashtag is build back confidence. So we'll see it on social media as well. Thank you so much, Jennifer Flanagan, CEO of Actua Canada. I talk a lot about nutrition on this program because I think it matters. Uh, It matters a lot. And I talk about my all in nutrition plan, which many of you have emailed me. I'm still getting emails tonight and I will send those out to you, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but not before I talk about ultra processed foods, just to turn you off to these. They are affordable. Who doesn't feel like slapping a piece of salami, bologna in between some Wonder Bread? It sounds delicious. Um, but is it good for you? These are affordable uh, ultra processed foods, chips and crackers and cookies and um, processed meats. They are affordable. They're easy to eat, you know, a beef jerky, but they don't actually have any whole food because they're typically made from industrially produced oils, fats, sugar, starches, and protein isolates. And so 
we know that these can negatively impact your physical health, but there has been limited data on how they impact a person's mental health until now, because a study was done by Florida Atlantic University, and that was published in the journal Public Health Nutrition. And it was a study that sampled over 10,000 adults in the U.S. to measure the connection between ultra-processed food consumptions, co- consumption and mental health symptoms. And there were over 10,000 people studied and they were people who did not have a history of drug use. And so what they did find was that the people who consumed the most um, processed foods, ultra processed foods, um, did have more rates of mental health issues, such as more depression, mentally unhealthy days, and anxiety, more days filled with anxiety per month as well. And they also had these statistically significant increases in the negative mental health symptoms. So the group consuming the most was also least likely to report no days when they didn't experience mentally unhealthy or anxious days. Now we all experience mentally unhealthy or anxious days, but this is significant, this particular study, because it does show an association. And, you know, sometimes when you're feeling down, you want to grab that frosted donut. You want to go for the, for the salami, the prosciutto, the bologna, You want to go for those highly processed foods, but you might want to think twice, especially if you are suffering with anxiety and depression. Now we're talking nutrition, but I I also like to say to people, you're suffering anxiety and depression. You might want to look at some of the other substances. And I guess we can consider ultra processed foods as substances because a lot of times people emotionally eat, but some of the other substances that you might want to take a look at are alcohol and marijuana as well. But, and sometimes if you're eating or, I mean, if you're drinking or smoking pot, you get pretty hungry. And those are the kinds of foods that you might go for are those ultra processed foods. Um, you know, and, and so these, these foods are consumed big time in, in this country, Canadians consume almost half their daily calories from ultra processed foods. And that was a study that was done in 2017 and it was conducted by the university of Montreal and children in this particular study, it was found that children between the ages of nine and 13 consumed most of the food group. It's easy. Parents are tired. The kids got to eat. They're not going to eat, you know, steak and broccoli and potato. They're, they are going to easily eat some of the processed foods and largely before dinner. So 70% of the packaged foods in this country are classified as ultra processed foods and represent about 60% of all of the calories that we consume. We have to think about this. So I thought no better time than the present to talk about my little all in nutrition plan because good nutrition results in greater well-being. And there's a direct line of communication between your gut and your brain, which impacts mood and cognition. So now's the time to make the decision to change your life. And, you know, really you can do that through nutrition. You can feel so much better, have so much more energy by if you have extra weight on you, if you're somebody who tends to eat a lot of sugar, a lot of high glycemic index foods, you know, keep in mind that diet and exercise are are very important and can have radical improvements on your life, your body image, which um, actually 
is related to how you feel in, about yourself sexually and, and in the bedroom and with your partner. And so, you know, if you're not feeling great about your waistline, especially waistline for women or, you know, waistline for men or they, um, you know, that can be a turnoff, having that added weight. Um, maybe you've gained a lot of weight since you initially got together and that can actually decrease desire. And so something that's very important, you make the decision to take that weight off. And so the staples in this particular nutrition plan are a variety of vegetables. And I include a vegetable table for you, a variety of fruits, Pam cooking spray, uh, using coffee mate instead of cream or almond coconut creamers to replace the cream or coffee in your cream in your coffee or tea, eggs, lots of eggs, plain Greek yogurt, veggie ground round, um, you know, tofu's tofu is very good for you. Alternative cheeses, beans, legumes, spices, and herbs. You know, this is how you get some new best friends here, <laughs> your spices and your herbs, um, chicken, fish, lean pork, turkey, lean meat once a week, a particular type of crackers that are, are low glycemic index or Breton crackers. So you have to have some carbs, herbal teas are good water. You know, it's important to drink six to eight cups of water throughout the day or enough water-based fluids so that your urine is clear 90% of the time. You want to ha- you know, cut down on that coffee as well. Um, one to one and a half cups of coffee a day. Use cooking uh, spray. And you can even put a little bit of oil into a spray um, thing. <laughs> if you have a spray thing, I know that they sell those somewhere. Anyway, and you just, so that limits the amount of oil. I often say in a restaurant, can you, you know, really light on the cooking oil for me, please? And they'll do that because I'm just not one that loves oil. Also, if you're going out to eat, you know, dressing on the side. And I I always get dressing on the side about 50% of the time (laughs) they bring dressing on the side, uh, my own little research study. Um, But, you know, most of the time I don't even put that salad dressing on there because, you know, you'll see salad is like 80 calories, but with the dressing, it's like 400 calories. Anyway, so you want to use the ingredients that I mentioned to create variations on a theme, or sometimes you can just eat the same things over and over again. You don't want to have citrus fruits, alcohol, rice, potato, flour, or bread. Those are out. This is a goal that you're going to have. This is if you are going to, um, you know, lose weight and you'll particularly lose weight around the midsection. And that's very important because midsection weight actually is very unhealthy for your major organs, in particular, your heart. You also want to weigh yourself. Everybody's afraid of the scale. Um, you know, in fact, I was, I went and stayed with my sister for a little bit and she has a scale and it was wrong. It was 10 pounds lower. I'm like, what's the deal with their scale? And she's like, well, you know, like, I'm like, get, let's get a real scale here for two weeks. So I ordered a real scale and she's like, oh, that's so nice. But she wanted to keep her other one that had the low, the 10 pounds um, lower. Anyway, I like to face reality and I think you should too. Anyway, if you want a copy of my all in nutrition plan, feel free to email me. I promise to get it out to you and the 10,000 other people that emailed me last week. Just kidding. Nurse talk at hotmail.com. You got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Welcome to the second hour of the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We've got lots to talk about in this second hour of the program. We're going to be talking about those pickup lines. What are some good ones? What, which ones worked for you? And uh, we're going to have a little contest around that once again. I like those contests and I like to give out prizes. So I'm going to be doing that in the second half hour of the second hour. (laughs) Also going to be talking about 
happiness and, uh, you know, just how much happiness can we expect on the daily and got some tips around that for you as well, because happiness is important. But right now I want to talk a little bit about, I'm sure you've heard, unless you've been living under a rock these last, uh, few days, um, a very well-known broadcaster has been let go by Bell Media um, for what some people thought was related to age, gender, or graying hair. However, Bell Media has said that Lisa LaFlamme's ousting has nothing to do with that. But I would like to talk a little bit about this, whether whether that has anything to do with that, those things. Um, these things occur on the daily in the workplace. So joining me on the line to talk about sexism, ageism, grayism, misogynism, is Dr. Tomi Mitchell. She's an MD in wellness and performance. She empowers lawyers, doctors, and other professionals to reduce burnout and overwhelm so that they can increase productivity in the workplace and leverage. And she also talks about leverage-based leadership. She's a speaker, trainer, and writer who talks about mental health, burnout prevention, leadership development, and racism. Good evening, Dr. Mitchell. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm very well too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the program to talk about these very sensitive issues. And I I mentioned a little bit about Lisa LaFam and the situation that had occurred. And a lot of people felt because during the pandemic, she decided to let her hair go gray as many women decided to do. Um, And that there was maybe some raised eyebrows about that. And and some people might have thought that that's allegedly why um, she was let go, but it also can lead that kind of thing coming out of the blue. There was a lot of criticism about how it was done. And it was compared to some other gray haired, gray suited men (laughs) who had left at much (laughs) later times in life and well into their seventies with um, white hair. Uh, And so there was comparisons there. And so this was thought that she was treated unfairly and it was a lot of criticism of Bell Media. And you can see where that would lead to low morale in a company. And so when there's distrust of leadership or, um, when this type of thing happens out of the blue, people feel there's been an injustice, you know, what impact does that have on the other people in the workplace? Okay. So more so the ageism you want to focus on? Yeah, sure. The ageism and, and also, you know, if people, because I think ageism, if it is ageism that, that has to do with it and, um, you know, other people might be thinking that they're reaching their expiry dates as well. Yes, that is. Okay. So what you're explaining and what is happening right now is very common in the workplace. Um, women over age 50 typically are judged differently than men their same age, same experience. Okay, it's a real thing. And the second thing is, for those listening, Note that no one's going to really admit that they're, you know, a misogynist or a sexist. Like, really, mm-hmm. are they going to admit that? Okay. Never. Never. Exactly. Right? And mm-hmm. we know that the society is very patriarchal. And as women, we have been fighting for our rights from day, like, like from day one. So in the workplace, women are judged differently when a woman shows leadership she's often told she's bossy 
She's rude. Mm-hmm. She's aggressive, right? But a man shows leadership and does something, he is praised, right? So Absolutely. this issue is beyond complex. And I just want to say, just to get off my chest, what happened to Lisa Lassam was absolutely disgusting. Even if you take away ageism, sexism, anything, you don't kick someone to the curb like that, like without any announcement. She didn't even get that farewell. I'm old enough to remember Peter Mansbridge and Lloyd Robertson. And I know when they left, it was a big deal. Like they, there was, they were remembered. But she got uh-huh. kicked aside like an old bag. Now I'm curious though. I'm, and you know, a little bit of devil's advocate here because I think she's a brilliant uh, person, obviously. And I wonder if there's something else. I wonder if this was her choice to, did she orchestrate this? Did uh, it perhaps to make a point? I don't know, but, um, and I also wanted to, to add to your, when people are over the age of 50, when men are over the age of 50 and their hair goes gray, they are distinguished. Whereas women are, you know, there, there has been some, um, rumors, if you will, gossip that, you know, some people said who approved Lisa LaFlamme's hair going gray. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but it's a very different approach, uh, to when men go gray versus when women go gray. Um, but you know, is there a chance that she could have orchestrated that uh, to prove a point? Yeah, I honestly, considering her career and the reputation she has and her desire to be authentic, I highly doubt it because I think there's so much back chatter into what is going on in the company. Plus, their, I think their president or vice president leader stepped down and when that happens, when the top, there's usually crumbling below. You know, there's uh-huh. a so uh, cultural thing going on, right, in the workplace. Uh-huh. Um, are you referring to um, uh, Michael Melling, who yes. went on pay, yes. paid leave, I believe. He went on paid mm-hmm. leave, which is still, yeah. you know, that's there's there's um, smoke there. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. So, you know, taking a leave after after this. So you know that there are things going on in that company that aren't sitting well and they're, you know, it's a public relations nightmare for some public relations company to deal with. But, you know, what happens to the people around them that, um, I mean, I, I love the, I do love the fact that a lot of people stood up for in this particular case, because oftentimes people just keep their nose to the, you know, nose to the grindstone. They're just going to do their work. They don't want to be the next ones. They're not going to stand up for the injustice. So, but what happens to the people in the workplace who witness this, who are living through this? How stressful is that for them? It's extremely stressful. And, you know, sometimes you don't even realize you're under the stress because you get so used to it. Just Mm -hmm. this evening, when I was thinking about this topic, we're going to talk about memories came to mind of, you know, blatant misogyny, blatant ageism, blatant sexism. I've lived, but it's because it's so common, Uh it's often ignored. And that's sad. It's really, really sad. I think a lot of companies are now going to be looking within because they don't want to be the next Bell Media. Just like you don't want to be the next Rogers with half your radio going down, like the internet, Uh right? You don't want to be Bell Media right now. And companies, big or small, need to listen up because this news story didn't just fizzle out after a day or two. I think it's like day 11 now. 
and right. it is still going strong. So that says something. Like, as a society, we are tired of the isms. We're tired of them. And people are talking about it. And I think that's they good. S- I, I think it's fantastic. It's a great point uh, that you've made there. Yeah. Absolutely. This is not going to go away quickly. I don't no. think, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's anybody's guess. I'd be surprised if she returned, but that's just me. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's, it is so hard. And, you know, any woman who has worked outside of the home, because we all work inside of the home, let's face yeah. it. But if mm-hmm. you've also worked outside of the home, you likely have experienced this. And in fact, if you've experienced it, give us a call. The number to call one 399 9898. You don't have to name your employer. I have certainly experienced this in my (laughs) time. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I've experienced it so many times. Like I can't, I don't even know which story to bring to mind, you know, Um, because it's sometimes it's just so shocking where you're left out of meetings on your project. It's like, uh, there's no need to bring, it's nine, nine men and who are invited to the meeting, but not you, but you're the head of, you're the lead on the project, but you're not, you don't need to be invited to the meeting. You know, in that particular situation, fortunately, a man stood up for me (laughs) and was like, that's crazy that you're not having her come to the meeting. Um, You know, so, I mean, just, just so many different times are women treated less fairly. And we're also expected to do a heck of a lot more in, in the yeah. workplace to prove ourselves. How, mu- how much truth is there to that? Cause I've been killing myself. Oh, there myself is so here. much truth. <laughs> how many women in the workplace have been given the role of you're the official coffee maker, you're the official clean, you know, tidy things up. Men are not hardly ever given those roles. That matri- that a patriarchal way of thinking that a woman's place is truly in the kitchen. It's like, it's still in society. Let's not kid ourselves follows women in the workplace and it's worrisome, but it's an opportunity for change. And, you know, do we accept those roles and not, I mean, are are women at, at fault? Um, You know, do we, instead of speaking up and saying, I'm not going to do this. I mean, who does arrange the parties at work? Who does bring in the food? Who does um, all of that? You know, Um, but how much, you know, fault, I, I I hate to say fault, but you know, what can we do? What can women do to prevent? Yeah. To prevent this, right? We've got a caller on the line. I want to get to Brian right away from White Rock, British Columbia, and I'll read the text next. Hello, Brian. Hello, Maureen. Good evening. How are you? Um, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. And, um, uh, Happy to have an opportunity to voice uh, my opinion. You may be uh, old enough, like I am, and I'm probably much older. There was a show called, um, it was Paul Harvey's, and it was called A Now for the Other Side of the Story. Do you remember that show? They always Never came on heard with. Of it. Okay, well, you can Google it. It was very, it's, very, it's still in the United States. It's funny, I will. But he always put two perspectives, one side and then for the other half. But uh, okay, I haven't heard that. So, um, I think Maureen, you, who I, who I have no problem with, and I, I love uh, um, the the TV CTV. I have loved her for years, and she's probably the classiest. It's, uh, there's a lot of women that are very good, but she's top drawer. Uh, what I do have issues with, um, Maureen, mm-hmm. 
you, I think it was you or the lady that's with you that said no one is ever going to admit that, the, or no male, that there is going to admit that they're a misog- misogynist. Uh, I don't agree. Uh, I used to work for Manpower Services and Office Overload, where we only hired females um, uh, mm-hmm. because we were sending females out to the office. I have no. I was always championed for females. I agree that females don't have. They, they have. They have a harder uh, role in life, bearing children and all the other things that you know that women have to do that men don't have to go through. I think that's an imbalance. But my boss said to me, my first boss was, you know, think of never speak in absolutes. Um, she never said yet, and the company hasn't said yet that she, in fact, was fired because of her gray hair. It's been everywhere the assumption, like, you know what the police say? Hey, in the court of public opinion, this is what happened. And what about in Canada and the United States? We're supposed to say innocent until proven guilty. Never speak in absolutes because we don't know. Now, uh, you said she didn't get the, the farewell. No, she didn't, because she went on Twitter before CTV. I don't work for CTV. I'm a retired guy, 10 years retired. <laughs> I'm not trying to put in a good point for them. I'm just trying to say, let's look at it in, in balance, because I, I hear this all over the country and this stuff, and I say, hang on, my wife is totally, uh, she's not really in agreement with it. And I'm just saying, well, let's be fair, let's be honest. No one knows why she was fired. She went on Twitter and said, we know. I was blindsided. I was blindsided. So to say that mm-hmm. no man would... I'm not a misogynist, and, and I, 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 I get really upset uh, when people say, oh, men are... Yeah, a lot of men don't treat women properly. That is true, but it's not everybody, and she never said it was, but everyone has said, like the, the book that I'm sure you've read, where uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, that the black guy was guilty mm-hmm. of the murder until Atticus came along, the lawyer, and said it was the white mm-hmm. guy and proved it. It was Boo Adley. But everybody is assuming that she got fired because of her age. But we look at companies like Costco or Home Depot. They've got people that are the same age as me in my 70s and women all through the place. Well, what about those companies? Do they deal with no? Well, she's in the media business, and she's got a, she got thirty. She's had thirty-eight years. We don't know why she's left. She's thirty-eight years of income, and who knows what kind of a? They had, it took six weeks for her to ex- accept the package that she was getting as 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 severance. That could be a great one. I want her back Allegedly, on TV. I love her, but know. I'm just saying. Let's let's call it as it is. <laughs> Well, I I do think my guest, Dr. Tomi Mitchell, I said allegedly, which um, we have used throughout, and my guest is Dr. Tomi Mitchell. She's on the line. And and she did say, you know, no man is ever going to admit that they are a misogynist, which is a person who dislikes or is strongly prejudiced against women. I think that was her point, that you're not going to say, I'm a misogynist. You know, I hate women. Nobody's going to come up with that. But, But you make a lot of great points. And this was allegedly... We are talking ageism, sexism, and grayism with Dr. Tomi Mitchell, who's an MD, and she works in wellness and performance in the workplace, in particular high-powered people like lawyers, doctors, and other leaders in Canada and the world. Thanks for staying on the line, Dr. Mitchell. Oh, Appreciate my it. pleasure. This topic is so good. So It's a great topic, yeah. and I love this one. This I wanted to get to some of the tweets that I've been sent. Um And it is, I love this one because this is my experience. (laughs) What about being the only man in an office full of ladies expected to do all the extra tasks and left out of every conversation? I actually work in an office where it's all females and one male. He fits right in. (laughs) I will tell you, he's got a great sense of humor and I think that's important, (laughs) but just 
one of the girls, basically. Uh, it's the it's the healthiest workplace I have ever worked in. I have to say, and that is the truth. Um, but that's one of the that was uh, one was for me, Doctor Mitchell. But this one's for you. Hi, Maureen. Mm. It's Rick in Abbotsford. I have absolutely loved and admired Emmy Lou Harris for a very long time. She aged gracefully, going gray, and is still putting out great music. Wow, amazing. I loved her long before Gray and still do. I admire and respect strong women no matter where they are. Someone once called my daughter a, I don't think I can say the B-at word on, on radio, but anyway, I just did. And she said, Dad, that is exactly what I am, a babe in total control of herself. First of all, um, Dr. Mitchell, I want to ask your opinion on yeah. why do we always have to modify women with an, adje- an adjective? strong women, smart women, nice women. We don't say that about men. That's the one thing. But but what do you also think of this gentleman's uh, text message about um, babes being in control of themselves? I think, <laughs> I just want to say that every situation can be different, right? Um, some workplaces, this works well. Other places, not so much, right? Tell her and then, you know, she reclaims that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Exactly. Yeah, it takes the power back. I don't want to say like, I, I don't want to tar everybody with the same brush. Workplaces are toxic, can be very toxic. Yes. And, you know, the yes. balance between uh, males and females, you know, can actually lend itself to, um, you know, to sexism, to ageism, to this grayism. You know, we, yeah. we seem to be okay with men aging, but we're not, not as good uh, with women aging. And why do you think that is? Well, it's there's been a double standard since time started, right? Um, there, I think uh-huh. there was a study recently that says women after age, I think they reached their peak attractiveness at like eighteen, twenty. Like it's ridiculous. Um, Maureen, you did ask an amazing question before the intermission. Like, what can women do for themselves to help them? Right. I was okay if I just answered. Okay. Yeah, I, I <laughs> was so do. excited. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. First, women, we have I'm to bond. love ourselves. We have to love ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yes. we do. We have to. We have to have some self respect. We have to care yes. about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and set limits. Say no. I'm yes. not tolerating Boundaries. this. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not easy. I, I worked on a big project recently. I was the only female department head, you know, leader, project leader, if you will, out of about 20. And the only one who was, um, I had to report, any decisions that I made, I had to report to the two top men. It, it was all men and myself. But they could do these things that I wanted to do, but I wasn't allowed to do them, but they were. It was only a contract. And they were all on contract as well. But it was it was completely unfair <laughs> and very stressful. Yes, I can only imagine. But again, I've lived it so many times, so it's not even imagining. It's just reality that many of us. But you know what? It's often us women who are very outspoken. We're, we are not going to back down. And we're good at what we do and we know we're good. Okay? That's that self-worth. That's that self-love. That needs to be there. Right. And you, but there's also that yeah. fear that we're going to send you out. We're going to send you packing. There's also that fear that we're going to send you packing. Now I know people would expect that I would be just as you described, you know, and I'm not true confessions here. 
I do not speak up. I have a very hard time speaking up. So what do you say to women like myself, who I know that would shock a lot of people, but who do not speak up, who are afraid to speak up like myself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, find your voice, start practicing. It could be something as complimenting somebody on something, speaking up, not just saying, Oh, I think that person looks, that looks good in that dress or that's a nice car. Actually say it. So you have to practice it. And when you continue to practice it, it spreads to other aspects of your life. Right? So that's one. And also you might not be the extrovert like I am. And I call him introverted extrovert anyway, but you can (laughs) say something and encourage other women. And that's a point that is almost another show itself. As women, we need to support each other. Only when it's oh, done right. <laughs> right? Yes, right? exactly. But, but it's true. Women, that is... women are their own worst enemies. Yeah, yes, women can be brutal in the what... workplace as well. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Is... So... Yes, so correct. I have to say, I did speak up about something on this last project, and I said, you know, here's the deal. They can do it. And I didn't even say those men can do it. <laughs> I just said the others can do it, and I can't. Yeah. And they said, oh, no, no. The others aren't supposed to be doing it, but we want to switch this. And so you're the newer person here and we want you to, you know, we want to start with you. In other words, you know, I'm like Mm. so malleable anyway. (laughs) Um, So it was kind of like, okay, that still doesn't seem fair or right to me either, but um, it is what it is. So oftentimes we really have to bang hard on the doors uh, to get somebody to hear us. And, and, you know, because the world favors oftentimes, not always, oftentimes exactly. favors men in the workplace, you know, we sometimes have to be quite careful definitely. With, with what the, we say. Definitely. We're viewed differently. We're judged differently. It, it, it's definitely challenging. But I think if we really regroup as women, if we really look at ourselves and we really look at our own act responses, it will help. And then the other piece, leadership. When you have a team that is toxic, it's largely because of poor leadership. I'm sorry to break it to the leaders out there because you have the, you have the power to really help support the culture you want in that workplace, to show transparency Right. So and let women break that glass ceiling that we talk about so much. So it's not just the individual it's the top because I've worked with people. Basically, they were stressed out and actually had some have had women leaders in their jobs. We had to take them out of the workplace for them to heal because it was that toxic. And I'm seeing it so much. It is like an epidemic of toxicity. And it's Uh heartbreaking. It is. But, you know, a lot of leaders, people get into leadership roles and they don't have any of the training. They don't have management mm-hmm. training. I mean, I had a, a leader in particular, there was an issue and he was like, you know what? I'm a people pleaser. I like people to get along. I like it all, you know, and it, it had nothing to, the issue had nothing to do with that. You know, what it had to do with was a toxic um, individual in the workplace who was treating people terribly, but it was, it it was perceived as, you know, two girls pulling their hair in the sandbox, you know, and, and I will say that women don't help 
ourselves when men perceive women as kind of fighting or scratching each other's eyes out or gossiping, you know, I don't know how we'll get to the place where women will actually support other women as I really don't think they do so much. And and in a way they have to be out for themselves too. I I can see that. Yes. There, you know, there are some women that support, but it's not as much as it should be. Like it's the overwhelming, I see so much cattiness like in social media and even in real life with clients and patients, it's like, where is this support, right? Where is yeah. the holding them up or being happy for them instead of being jealous and trying to tear them down, Yeah, right? Absolutely, that's, yes. That's very, I've seen that too. Yeah, we do not have the old girls network. <laughs> like there mm, no, is the old no. boys, like there There's is the, the old, old boys, boys network. network. Yes, Absolutely. and it's the older men, it's, right? Isn't it the older men typically that are in that network? But I women, when the they reach that age, pretty darn well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, well, Dr. Mitchell, thank you so much for your contribution to the program tonight. Well, if people want to learn more about the work that you do, or maybe they want to reach out for some help, how would they get in touch with you? Yes, uh, if you go holistic wellness strategies. So- holistic with an H, wellnessstrategies.com. And if you just Google me, you'll find my page. It'll be at the top. Fantastic. Dr. Tomi, T-O-M-I Mitchell. Yes. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you again. Yes. Thank you. This segment we're going to do about happiness and uh, the the text messages that I've received from you around your pickup lines. (laughs) have made me happy. So um, I don't know how much we're going to be able to focus on the happiness, but I do want to talk about physical pain and emotional pain and just how happy are you meant to be on the daily? You know, are we supposed to have, you know, is life a bowl of cherries every day? But let's just get to this first part, which is my little contest that I'm going to have, which I'm going to continue next week. I asked you to send me in your best pickup lines and your name will be entered into the womanizer contest. And I'll give out a womanizer. You can present this gift to the person that you picked up if they happen to be a woman. Um, but anyway, here's uh, the first one. I love this one. You must have just gotten out of the sauna because you are so hot. 22 years married. John would love the womanizer for my lady. And here, dear Maureen, here's the pickup line that I use. I was blinded by your beauty. My lawyer needs your name and phone number. I've tried this one over and over, Maureen. And if it doesn't get me a date, it certainly gets me a laugh. Keep laughing, Maureen. <laughs> and then I will. I will. You too, Jim. What? And then the next one, what do you do? I am a photographer and can picture us together. I am actually a photographer, Maureen. I may need a womanizer to help me out because so far this line isn't working. Well, those are all great pickup lines. I got to say, I love people who are creative and have a great sense of humor. So uh, you can text in your pickup lines if you like, or you can email me nursetalk at hotmail.com. And uh, I will definitely enter you into the contest next week. So it does take me a little while to, you know, figure out these contests and get it all together and email you back and all that kind of thing. So I'm busy too, you know, I'm, uh, anyway, <laughs> getting prepped for the show each week and then also just living my regular life, you know, um, which 
I kind of like uh, things to go well. I like to be happy and, but you know, you know, life happens and, you know, hurts occur as well. But, you know, if you've got physical pain, you can, can actually take a medication for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy to, to fix in a way, or you might, might maybe want to go off to a chiropractor or a physiotherapist, um, for, you know, normal sorts of pain, but there's other kinds of pain that we suffer on the daily, and that is mental suffering. And I don't necessarily mean full-blown clinical depression or anxiety. Those require professional help, professional intervention. But what I'm talking about is the daily grind, the routine, the blah, blah, the boring, the dissatisfaction, the loneliness, the sadness. And that can constitute a dull ache in, in your day you know, in your every day, one after another. And and there's a lot of philosophers that have considered this discomfort to be our natural state. And, um, you know, uh, at rest, they, some philosophers have said that, you know, men, man or woman is to feel nothingness, loneliness, insufficient, dependent, weak, empty. And that might seem like I am exaggerating to you, but research does show that people tend to experience negative or mixed emotions nearly half the time. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a nice little tool to blunt that everyday mental pain? You know, is it everyday? It's nice to have something to look forward to, but sometimes you might not. Sometimes you might feel lonely. You'll never meet anybody. There's nobody in your life. You've, you've suffered a, a death or a, in your family or with one of your friends. Um, I've recently suffered, um, the death of a friend and it's just kind of brought me down a bit. It was somebody who was very, very good to me and unexpectedly passed away too young, too soon, too early, you know, and it's just like, you can't really take Tylenol for that. It's, you know, you've got to learn to live with it and, and you miss that person and you, you try to carry on with the, with the daily grind. But, you know, what, what can we do about that, that, that pain that we suffer that it's not really emotional pain, but it's just this, this pain, this spiritual pain, but, you know, neurologically speaking, physical pain activates several parts of your brain and most notably the anterior cingulate cortex. Neuroscientists have found that our brains piggyback the experience of emotional pain in that same location. And you know, and so when you look at physical pain and, and emotional pain and, you know, it, it comes from the same aspect, same area of the brain, which is the first lesson that I want to teach you. We're going to. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me nursetalk at hotmail.com. And I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.